What is happening, people? We're going to roll this podcast hot. No warm-up, we're just going for it. And today, I decided, after having a a meditation session is neither good or bad, after having a, a bit of a breakthrough meditation session, session in the sense that something very weird happened, that I was going to answer requests and talk about meditation, like why you should maybe consider doing it, why I do it, what I've got from it, what the science is about it, what you can achieve from it, and why it's this thing that, over 80% of high performers have have done or have some kind of meditative practice. So Tim Ferriss, in all of his interviews, I think it's something like around 80% or over 80% of high performers that he interviewed have some kind of meditation or mindfulness practice that they do. And there's it's when I was younger, I just used to think it was some like hippie, hippie mumbo jumbo bullshit. I used to think it was something that people would a load of hippies would do high or high off their face, run a load of trucks, sitting around a campfire, singing songs, humming um with their dreadlocks and uh doing whatever, doing some crazy spiritual shit. But it's only as I got older and only as I discovered meditation for myself and only only since it became more popular and there's and I've actually looked into the science and there's real life science to back it up and there's numerous studies showing the, the countless benefits of meditation including lowering stress, blood pressure, reducing blood pressure, improving your immune system, improving age-related cognitive disease, decreasing anxiety and depression and even things down to increasing pain tolerance and making if you've got ADHD or unable to concentrate it improves your concentration it actually changes the way that your brain your brain functions and the way that your brain operates on a day-to-day basis so even if you listen to this and you don't meditate I'm not trying to get you to meditate uh, hopefully you can you can get more of an understanding or understand why people do it but I think it is worth worth trying and worth doing and it's one of those things you might have tried it before in the past and you might have given it up you might do it right now but it's like the gym. It's very, very similar to the gym in the sense that you can't go to the gym once and expect to get results. You can't go to the gym for a week and expect to get results. It's something that you do over a period of weeks, over a period of months, over a period of years. And eventually then you start to start to achieve these marginal gains. And then before you know it, you've come such a long way without even realizing. So we, we've all heard of flow state. And flow is this state where you're in this effortless concentration and that this maximal performance maybe you've maybe you've got it playing video games maybe you've achieved it during work maybe you play an instrument whatever it is have you ever do you know where you're just really really immersed in a game maybe you're on like a call of duty i think when i was younger maybe you're on like a 30 kill streak and you're just like in the zone going around absolutely rinsing people razor sharp reactions super quick speed maybe you're doing a doing a doing a, a task so maybe you're reading you're just really really immersed in reading maybe you're doing some challenging work or an exam and you're just absolutely flying through it and it's easy maybe you're at the gym or you're doing some really really intense hard cardio and you get into this state where it's just effortless concentration maximum performance and you're just going bam 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 a state where your body and mind is challenged and you're working towards a goal. So when you're sufficiently challenged, you lose yourself. You lose yourself in the task, and time seems to time seems to fly by. You enjoy it. It's, you feel really, really good. It feels incredibly rewarding, and you just lose any kind of external distraction, whatever it is, and you're just immersed in the task. High focus and high performance. So it's been shown that 
people who meditate are, are able to get into a flow state much easier. And if you're an experienced meditator, you're able to achieve this quicker and achieve this easier and you're less prone to distractions. So there's, there's, there's a voice inside of our heads and you don't, it's obviously you don't have to suffer from psychosis to have this voice inside of your head. So I don't mean like the, the schizophrenic mental voice inside of your head, but everyone has this voice inside of their head. So maybe you're looking in the mirror and you're like, oh yeah, I look good today. Oh, I look lean today. I look great. Maybe you're like, oh, why did I do that? Or you say something, you're like, for fuck's sake, why did you say that? You have this internal narrative or we all have this internal narrative, this thing going on inside of, inside of our heads. We're able to question our own thoughts. And there's uh, the book, the power of now i read it quite a few months ago now at the start of the year it talks about this internal narrative and it's like um eckhart toll who's the author of the book talks about it and he's he's really depressed he's really miserable and he says to himself why do i feel this way why do i feel like this why why am i unhappy why am i miserable and he had a bit of epiphany and in that stage he came to the realization that the ability to question his thoughts and the ability to actually question the way that he's thinking suggested to him that there is two rather than one inside your head so rather than just being a your brain that just that is it you have this this consciousness or this ability to to question what your your brain or what your thinker what your thinking mind is doing so i'm trying not to get down the rabbit hole of hippie spiritual stuff but that's kind of the the way that eckhart approached approached it modern science has shown that this in in a narrative could potentially come from something called the default mode network and this, this re these regions of the brain, the default mode network is these regions that are active when we're not focusing on anything in particular. When we're bored, maybe when we're procrastinating, when we're thinking about the, the, the future or just kind of daydreaming, when we're in the opposite of a flow state, this thing called the, or the, these regions called the default mode network become active. And normally it gives us a stream of information about ourselves. So we, it might be worries that other people are judging us or worries that people are people are thinking about me or maybe you're worrying about something that happened in that might happen in the future or maybe you're dwelling on something in the past that is all to do with activation of this default mode network so the default mode network isn't necessarily good like it, it isn't what you want to be in if you want to achieve this flow state or state of getting loads of work done this probably ties into why 80% of performers high performers have this meditative practice or something that they do so it's a series of regions of the brain the default mode network that activate when you're not focusing on anything in particular and these negatively correlate with things known as task positive brain regions so they they basically when the default mode network is active that is the state of your brain or those regions, although the, the active regions in your brain when the default mode network is active are the opposite to the regions that are active when you are immersed in something, when you are in this flow state. So it prevents you from activating or getting into this flow state. And it's just generally associated with procrastination, mind wandering, being lost on your thoughts, not really doing much and not associated with things that are good for productivity i'm adhd brain i struggle to focus on things i've always struggled to focus on things but i'll tell you something in the morning before i've had loads of information being like rooted into my brain before i've had all these thoughts and all these things going on that are probably putting me in this default mode network state are you ask yourself this are you more relaxed in the morning or are you more relaxed in the late afternoon like around four or five o'clock when you're when you're at the peak of your work or are you most relaxed when you have just 
got up, when you've just woken up, when you've just risen, and your default mode uh, uh, default mode network is probably going to be less active. So that is what I would say, just putting two and two together, is probably one of the reasons why you're you feel more relaxed and more at one in the in the morning because you haven't got all these thoughts going around your head you're not letting your thoughts run wild haven't got all these things accumulating throughout the day and your default mode network is going to be suppressed or pushed down so now you throw some meditation into the mix in the morning and you suddenly have a fucking wonderful zen morning so then flow state going back to flow state before we go into meditation in order to get to this period of flow state you need to be actively focused on a task for a relatively long period of time you need to get into it the longer you do it the more the more you're going to be able to immerse yourself into it it's like reading it's like when you first start reading it's very very difficult and the longer you do it the more immersed you become in it or it's like a like i don't know if watching a film would be a flow state uh, a video game example you probably use again you can get into a flow state of that but the the default mode network reactivates the moment that you stop paying attention so if you if you get distracted by a notification on your phone and start scrolling you're going to be activating that default mode network and getting out of that flow state so in short the default mode network is a productivity killer meditation is a killer of the default mode network and the regions associated with your brain with the default mode network are are kind of are going to be less active or are less active in people who meditate during meditation but not only during meditation after after meditation as well so you can actually change the way that your brain operates the way that your brain works you can train your brain and it will it will be in a different state and emit different waves and behave differently through meditation there isn't something you can just do and isn't something that you can just pick up on easily and just start doing and instantly get results from it is difficult it is challenging and it does take a while to train your brain to get into this state and it's like anything you stop meditating you're gonna you're gonna lose it you got to use it or lose it from today i'm gonna start meditating twice a day um and i'll go a little bit more to how i start and how you can start as well but i meditate every single morning it's part of my morning routine it's an absolute essential now for setting up my day and my only regret is that i didn't start doing it so- sooner so there's a paper in t- 2010 which showed well, the, 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 I think the name of the paper was something like a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. And it means that when we're in this default mode network, when we're in this state where we're we're, we're living in the living in the past or living in the future and we've got all these things going on we're not focused on a task in hand and we're away from these this flow state and when the dfm dfmn is active and regions associated with the dfmn are active we are not going to be unhappy but if we can get into this flow state and lower the activity in the default mode network we're going to be putting to regions or we're going to be lighting up regions in our brain which are more associated with these positive things that we want to do and if you're if you're from a, in a more positive place mentally you're going to be more successful you're going to achieve more things in your life you're going to do better you're going to help more people and that's going to further add to this snowball effect of doing well in your life so meditation lowers activity in the default mode network and dfmn less activity in those regions is shown during meditation as well as after meditation so you can cause long-term changes to your brain by meditating which is why we do it the way i like to think of it is meditation is a by the way can we just stop pause the podcast right here who thinks my voice is sounding pretty cool right now it's kind of husky and deep probably because i'm a bit a bit dehydrated i had like two hours sleep the night before last because i was in portugal and i went out and i had a 6am flight and i was like fuck it let's do that 
but um, that is obviously not very not very high performance of me high performance like of me but also I think you've got to be spontaneous and live in the moment and you regret the things that you don't do so I've been skydiving for a week I want to go out went out and then my voice has been a bit husky husky since then and a bit dehydrated so yeah the way I like to think of meditation is meditation is a performance enhancer it's like steroids for your brain in the sense that you can change the way your brain and your mind functions through nothing through doing nothing literally through doing nothing you can enhance your life it's almost unfair and the fact that this isn't taught in schools the fact that it isn't taught in modern society is a bit of a in, not injustice what's the word Is travesty the right word? I'm not entirely sure. I'll look it up after the podcast or DM me the correct word on Instagram, Amo Samuels. So meditation is a performance enhancer. It, it makes your makes you able to concentrate more. Uh, it does numerous things on both physio- physiological, like your 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 physical state, as well as your mental and your emotional state as well. It makes you a less reactive person. Like I said, increased pain tolerance. The list goes on and on and on. These are all backed by real studies, real science, and there is a reason why so many people that are high performers have some kind of meditative meditative practice. Pretty sure even Churchill in the 1940s had a meditative practice, or so I've read. Um, so meditation commonly involves using the breath. So what people, what, what it's not so much about sitting sitting down in a big circle and uh, and ignoring your thoughts and stopping your mind stopping your mind from thinking or or oh, it's not so much common misconceptions for meditation. It's about like emptying your mind of things. It's not so much emptying your mind. It's more about being accepting and non-judgmental and observing. So meditation is about observing your thoughts, observing your, your emotions, not repressing them, not pushing them down, not ignoring them, labeling them, accepting them and looking at them and allowing them to pass. You observe your thoughts, you don't judge them, you don't try and get rid of them, you don't try and push them down, you simply observe them, look at them, examine them, examine them and if they if they want to leave after you've acknowledged it, they they will leave your thoughts and emotions. So it's not about clearing your mind because it's impossible to clear your mind. Right now, stop. Stop what you're doing, whatever you're doing, and try and not think about anything at all. Try just to stop. I'm gonna go quiet for like 10 seconds and just don't think about anything. Just have an empty mind. That was quite difficult, wasn't it? I might have interrupted you too soon. But if I did, pause it and have a proper go. Pause it now. But what the, what I'm trying to prove here is that if you try and sit there in silence and not think of anything, your brain will start to, your default mode network will, will, will fire up because you're untrained. You will start to think of, start to think of these things. You'll start to think, oh, okay, not thinking of anything. Don't think of anything, Mo. Mo, don't think of anything. Okay, no thoughts, start from now. Don't think of anything. And you'll always have this internal narrative, whatever it is. It's, it's, you'll find it very, very difficult unless you're like an enlightened individual or an incredibly experienced meditator to drop this and, and 
getting rid of this, clearing your mind. And this is all associated with the DF, DFMN, as I was talking about earlier. So it's, it's about what meditation does is it allows you to notice when you're distracted by your thoughts. It allows you to be more focused and notice when you're distracted by things and get into a state where you're able to actually observe your thoughts, observe your feelings, observe your emotions. You're able to concentrate more and focus on the task in hand and be more more goal orientated and not having all these distractions and other things so it improves the ability of awareness and attention it basically conditions your brain like like i said i've got an adhd brain and uh, even if you don't even if you're just a normal person every day we're bombarded with things we're bombarded with information going in social media and things that 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 are that want your attention left right and center like in front of me i got books i got a got a laptop screen i got plants there's always always loads of sensory data coming in and throw social media into the mix and things online and the internet and tv and all these noises and notifications on your phone and we have this constant input of of sensory data coming in, coming in, coming in. So we are being conditioned to have short attention spans. We start working, our phone notification goes off. We we look at our phone, and that that starts a, that starts a cascade of of scrolling and doing other things and activating this default mode network. So in this day and age, we're conditioned to have incredibly shit short attention spans and not able to concentrate on the task in hand. So we want to be able to develop this or cultivate this 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 ability to concentrate, this ability to get into this flow state, and this ability to not be in this default mode network all the time and that's where meditation comes into play meditation and mindfulness are kind of hand in hand so but what is what is mindfulness and how do you develop it mindfulness isn't isn't so much about thinking of other people it's more about paying attention in a particular way or a being present in the moment and not judging your thoughts not judging other people not judging the way that you feel the way that you feel just being observant being present and paying paying attention to yourself so like i said meditation commonly involves the breath and what you do when you meditate is you focus on your breath right now close your eyes stop Breathe in and focus on your breath. Focus on where you feel the breath the most. The region, it might be in your belly, it might be in your chest, it might be in the tip of your nose. The region where you feel the breath the most. And take a few deep breaths in. And out. Keep your eyes closed. Feel that breath coming in. Feel it coming in. So what you're doing there is you're concentrating on a concentrating on a thought. You're concentrating on some raw sensory data. And it doesn't have to be the breath, but that's normally how how most meditation starts. You're you're, you're focusing on this one thing, and your inner your inner narrative, your your thinking brain will distract you, and it will tell you to it will try and distract you and take your attention away from the breath. But you you've just got you you'll realize that and you've got to correct it. So once you realize that you're thinking about something other than just the breath. You'll you'll think about it. You'll go off. You'll go off on a trail of thought, and then you'll think, "Oh no, I'm meant to be thinking about my breath." And then you got to align yourself and put yourself back on that path. So what that's conditioning you to do is it's basically conditioning you or showing you, demonstrating to you that how much you, how much your your brain is taking you away from things, how much your your thinking mind is running around on other tasks, running around on different things, and sending you off on this wild goose chase and taking you away from this one thing that you want to focus your concentration on. So. Your your this inner narrative is a thing that 
distracts you and takes you away from that. And by paying attention to your breath, focusing on one thing, you're conditioning yourself to, to acknowledge, to be mindful, to be like, oh, okay, I've got distracted. I'm going to center myself and put myself back on what I'm trying to concentrate on. And you do this again and again and again and again, and you get better at it. Eventually, you begin to find it easier to concentrate on one single thing. This default mode network, these regions begin to be suppressed. Your, your voice inside your head begins to shut up more often. And eventually, you'll find that you'll begin to experience focus on your breath or focus on a task easier which will allow you to get into this flow state easier but it's not instant it's all about marginal marginal gains the little demonstration i just did where you're meant to be focusing on your breath or you focus on your breath and you get distracted or where you're just trying to quiet your brain like i said earlier quiet your quiet your mind of this narrative probably demonstrate to you how little control you have over, over this present moment. So your internal narration, this internal narrator is always thinking about the future or living in the past or trying to take you away from these things. So the reason we want to meditate or the reason that I meditate is because it enables me to be to be more focused. It enables me to be a less emotionally reactive person. It gives me more empathy. It allows me to be more considerate, to think about things from other points of view. It enables me to shift my frame to shift my frame in terms of how I think of things and you you realize that you you realize that cup half empty cup half full mentality it's getting you in that cup half full mentality rather than the cup half empty mentality I'll get into it a little bit more in a minute but th yeah there's studies studies throughout that show copious amounts of benefits you can improve your physical self as well as your mental self you can become a better person so i don't know why people wouldn't do it it's nuts i do know why people wouldn't do it because it has all this there's a lot of there's a very gray area between where science is tied to spirituality and meditation like the 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 facts of science the 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 studies that science or the, the the real science showing brain activity and showing meditation and showing how it can benefit you from productivity point of views versus the other end of the spectrum it shows or the other end of the spectrum it tells you about spirituality and the consciousness and collective consciousness and oneness of the universe and loads and loads of other things that are not so not so widely accepted in science, not that in particular, but but different things to do with meditation and manifesting all this stuff. They kind of they kind of overlap, and if you from the outside in, you don't really realize. Or I never really realized that as such black and white clear science behind it. Even you don't have to believe in all this properly spiritual side of it. But the, the science is pretty conclusive in terms of what's there and what it can do for you and your productivity and what it can do for your life. Like if I had to give up reading books. And meditation or the gym, I would never step foot in a gym again. It's it's black and white. Even though my income, my life revolves around being fit and training, I like it is what it is. I'll find something else. And happiness comes from being able to being at oneness with yourself, being able to look at your thoughts and emotions and not being ruled by them, not being ruled by we live in the past. Like I said, the the we why do we worry about the future? Why do we worry about going up and speaking to someone? Why do we worry about getting that girl's number? Why do we worry about what could what could possibly go wrong what this why do we worry about if our spouse is cheating on us why do why do we worry about what someone is thinking of thinking about us that's because we take this we take the past we take our past experiences we take the the worst things that we have either seen or experienced ourselves we take these rare events our our internal narrator or our our, our brain our thinking mind takes these things takes the past and it applies it on the future and at the end of the day it's, it's a preservable mechanism a preservation mechanism maybe 
tens of thousands of years ago, you saw your friend get ripped apart by a saber-toothed tiger after going into this cave. So that serves a purpose of your 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 brain's going to be like, oh, I saw this. If I go into that cave, this is going to happen. But we live in an age where it's, it's very safe and it's very different from the, from the quote-unquote prehistoric times where gnarly stuff like that would have happened to us in our de- development as a human species. So it, it, did, it did serve a purpose, but in, in modern day with how the world has changed, our brains have remained the same, our brains have remained very old and very similar with the same worries and the same similar stresses and similar preservation mechanisms, but the times have changed and these, these things are going to only shoot us in the foot in terms of productivity and in terms of long-term investment and in terms of taking risks. Like you want to be taking risks, you want to be want to be doing things that are gonna that are going to further you. So... Going off on a bit of a tangent there, but med- studies show that meditators can cope with with things such as more pain. They're able to cope with more physical pain, more emotional pain, and there's there was a study done, and I'll try and recall it. It's probably not going to be exactly as it is. Just just Google on Google Scholar, which is how you get uh, scientific literature. Google like meditation and pain threshold, or meditation and pain. And uh, the scientists got a got uh, got an element that heated up. And they got experienced meditators and people that didn't meditate. And they put this element that heated up, it got warm, it made them feel pain or get like mildly burnt. They put it on their calves and they heated it up and they they took the point at which the people couldn't take it anymore. They took the point, the temperature at which people could withstand. And there are two groups, the experienced meditators versus the non-meditators. The meditators weren't meditating during the study. They're just in a normal day-to-day state and their, their brain function of everyone was getting monitored. Their brain activity was getting monitored. And what they found was that the people who were meditators, even though they weren't meditating, they were able to tolerate high levels of pain. They were able to deal with the pain more, but they also felt the pain with more clarity. So they were able to to acknowledge it, to observe it, but they didn't suffer as much from the physical pain versus the people that didn't meditate who are in this DF at default mode network brain state, which was all over the place, they felt the pain more, but they didn't feel it with as much clarity. And this is done by examining regions of the brain and brain waves, etc., etc. Stuff far beyond me that I haven't really looked into or educated myself on. So they, in short, they didn't suffer as much. And physical pain, emotional pain. So what that shows, just from that one study alone, is that. I think meditation has benefited me from a training point of view. From some, from pushing yourself in the gym, I can just like get into this state. When I'm really in the zone, I can just zone out and feel it, feel the contraction, feel the muscle working, feel the feel the pain, acknowledge it, but not be ruled by the pain, not be ruled by the by the feeling, the 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 actual discomfort, the displeasure of the pain. I accept it for what it is, uh, but I feel it and go through the motions. Versus before I meditated, I probably wasn't be able, wasn't able to push as hard, and the science backs it up, which is pretty mad. So. It's um, it's it's it helps you with emotional pain, with 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 physical pain. Less reactive. That's the thing. Like that's a big thing. We're we're ruled by our emotions, but we don't have to be ruled by our emotions. We have the ability to choose how we frame things and how we how we feel about things, how we how we see things. 
So it gives you, in short, more resilience. Someone that's an established meditator will have more resilience and be able to cope with things and deal with things better. And we're all going to go through hardships in our life. We're all going to have tragedies happen to us. People we love are going to die. And you're able, going to be able to deal with that better and cope with it and overcome adversities and overcome these ob- obstacles. One of my favorite books, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. He, um, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. He was a, I, my last one of my last podcasts on this, so check it out if you haven't already. I think it was the last podcast. He talks about how between stimulus and response, there is a space. So between something happening and our response to that thing happening, there is a gap. And within that gap, there is a, there, there is a, the power to choose our response. So stimulus, space, response. It isn't instantaneous. It isn't like a reflex where you get hit on the knee and your leg kicks up. You don't have a choice. You have a choice in terms of how you're going to react, how you're going to feel about it. We have the power of choose, the power to choose, the power of choice. So between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, there is the power to choose our response. In our response is the power to choose. And our growth and our freedom come from this power to choose. So it's not so much, like I said in my last podcast, about choosing to be happy. It's about conditioning the way to which you react. If you've been in a, if you were in, let's say then, let's use an example of, let's say you're in a a household and your parents are always screaming and shouting at you. What sort of person do you think you're going to be like when you're when you're older? Do you think if you're met with conflicts, you're going to be mindful and you're going to be considerate? Uh, no, you're not. You're going to shout and you're going to scream. You're going to re- you're going to react the same way that your parents reacted to you. You're going to be conditioned into reacting a certain way, but that conditioning has has happened because you've kind of allowed it to, or you 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 might not know, but it's happened because it's been allowed to happen. Versus if you lived in a household and you had a loving family, you had loving parents, they never shouted, they never raised a voice at each other. If they had a disagreement, if someone had an issue, even if someone shouted at your parents, they 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 were very unreactive. They're very good at being 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 chill and relaxed and they never raised their voice. They never got angry. How do you think you're going to react when you're older and a similar thing happens to you? You're probably going to be similar. So well, you know you're going to be similar. So what that demonstrates is that there is a we have the ability to choose the way that we react. But our ability to choose, we are often a slave to our conditioning, the way that we've grown up and the things that we've conditioned ourselves to do. But because we have a stimulus and response and a gap within that, the good news is that you can change it. So meditation ties in here in terms of getting distracted, in terms of uh, mental resilience, in terms of not being able to not being able to focus on a task, or maybe you've got bad traits, maybe you're a very emotional, reactive person. You're able to by focusing on your breath or putting yourself in a meditative state and focusing on something, you're able to check yourself and put yourself back into the state that you want to be in. It's more freedom. It's more resilience. Binge eating, for example. Okay. Uh, People that are in the state of default, the default mode network state, the DFMN state that I talked about at the start is associated with, stops you from achieving this flow state, is associated with living in the it's associated with this internal narrative that I've been talking about. People in the default mode network, studies have shown that people act on more cravings in that network. So they're more likely to, if someone's if someone's wanting, wanting to quit smoking, uh, it, it shows that people in this default mode network are less likely to quit smoking and act on cravings if they're in this state. If people meditate, if people are meditators, if they're able to suppress or 
they're, they're in this more meditative state or leaning away from this default mode network state, they're less likely to smoke. And they're going to be more adherent to a program. They're going to be they're going to be more disciplined versus if they're in the default mode network state. If that state, if that re, those regions of the brain are active, you're going to be more likely to to do these things. You're going to have less mental resilience. So binge eating, for example, if you're binge eating all the time, realize that you are a slave to your default mode network state. You're in this. You're in this state. Your these regions of your brain associated with this state are firing, and maybe you should consider meditating. I'm, I've been a sucker for binge eating, and when I binge eat, it's always tied in with a lack of flow state. Am I doing things that put me in this flow? Am I doing things that are fulfilling? And am, am I serving a higher sense of purpose? Am I doing these things which feel which I feel like are are, are great and they're and they're they're benefiting me and they're challenging me and I'm really really enjoying life or when I'm when I've been binging in the past is it when I'm deeply unhappy with something maybe something's bothering me and I'm going to be more similar or I'm going to be in this default mode network but by meditating you're able to step away from that develop more mental resilience and be it yourself like I said, it's all about observing your thoughts and emotions, not oppressing them. And there's this technique in negotiation. It's from a book called Never Split the Difference. Absolutely great book. I think I've got it in front of me, actually. Or have I have I loaned it to someone? I'm not entirely sure. Don't know where it's gone. Anyway, Never Split the Difference, one of my favorite books. And there's a, there's a thing in negotiation called labeling. So if you're able to label someone's thoughts and emotions, or if you're able to label your own thoughts and emotions, it diffuses them. If someone is, there's a, the, who was the book by? I can't remember who the book's by. But the, but the, 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 the main guy in the book was a CIA hostage negotiator. And he talked about a scenario where these this gang was like locked up in this was was locked up was held up was under siege in this building from the police and they had weapons and they had guns and they they were gonna they they were worried they're gonna do this massive shootout and kill a load of police and what is Chris Voss what Chris Voss did the hostage negotiator was he spoke to them and they wouldn't reply to any negotiation so other negotiators had given up they they didn't know they didn't know what to do and he had a line for it and he knew that they could hear them so it was either on a loudspeaker or a phone and he knew that the people the gang in there could hear what he was saying and what he basically said was that he came from a place of empathy he said that I understand that you must feel scared and you must feel, if I was in your situation, I'd feel very scared. I'll be worried about going to prison. I'll be worried about getting shot by the police. So what he's doing is he's taking how they must feel and he's labeling their emotions. He's bringing them to the surface, these things that they're probably not even talking about amongst themselves. They're pushing down. They have all these deep fears. And by labeling them, by bringing them to the surface, you're able to, he's able to diffuse them. And eventually the, 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 the armed, the, the armed assailants came out and there was no shooting no one died and they were all they were all good and it was all fine and that kind of that that ties into meditation by by observing your thoughts by acknowledging them by acknowledging the way that your body feels by labeling things it in a sense diffuses them you're not trying to get rid of your thoughts and feelings you're not trying to push them down you're not trying to hide them because that's impossible you've got to observe them you've got to, let's say for example in meditation quite often if i'm feeling a bit stressed or anxious in the morning i meditate I won't push it down. I won't repress it. I will observe it. So I'll really think about it. I'll really, I'll really feel the emotion and see how it feels throughout my body. Thoughts are in the mind. Emotions are felt in the body. I'll really, really examine it and 
feel it and take it in. Whereas most people will try and try and hide it. And if you try and repress stuff, if you hide stuff, if you don't observe it, which allows you to let it go, if you repress it, if you push it down, it's like anger. It's going to build up and up and up and up. Anger is an emotion. And it's going to get to a point where you you explode, you erupt, or it's going to going to stay inside. It's going to dwell, and it's going to make you feel miserable and deeply unhappy because you're you're not solving the problem. It's like having a tumor or having a yeah having a tumor rather than getting it cut out you ignore it and the cancer grows and the cancer spreads it's the same thing with negative emotions and negative thoughts we we live in this state where we ignore things and we we don't observe them so how do you meditate what do i suggest that you do um, to start with, I think Headspace is a really good app. This this video, this podcast isn't sponsored by anyone, but I started with Headspace. I used Headspace for about six, five, five, six months, and I eventually moved on to a different app. But Headspace, I would suggest to everyone to start with because it's like the the building blocks, the foundations of of meditation, and really teaches you the the core principles and the core basics about being too out there with the concepts behind it. So once I use Headspace for a good good several months, I'll uh, put a link below in the podcast notes if I'm able to get any like affiliate commission or anything like that, or get you guys some money off, which will get me commission or whatever it is. I'll put it in regardless anyway. I'll uh, put that down below. But um, yeah, Headspace, I used that for several months, which basically taught me the basis of meditation, focusing on the breath, about observing your thoughts, about being at one with your with your thoughts and observing them and allowing them to pass and not holding on to things. It taught me the basis of that and the basics of it is difficult, but I think that's really, really good. Once I felt like I'd, I'd taken everything I could from that, I'm able to meditate without any, without guided meditation. I'm able to do it with just my thoughts. It taught, teaches you to like scan your body, go through your body, pick up on any emotions, how you're feeling, how your, your body's felt in this, this space. Uh, once I'd done that, I then moved on to an app called Waking Up by Sam Harris. And that app is absolutely great but i don't suggest starting with it because there's a lot of lot of hard to understand concepts and i think it's best to build the foundation in headspace first and then i moved to waking up by sam harris which is an absolutely wonderful app and uh it really gets inside the the ins and outs and breaks it down and takes it like to that next level those that that further progression of meditation in terms of explaining things and putting putting two and two together but once and really really assisting of that meditation so waking up second sam um sam harris waking up i'd suggest to do after you've spent some time in headspace and got the got the foundation set books as well uh the power of now by eckhart tolle that's a pretty interesting one in terms of meditation you've got to go in it for open mind but i really recommend reading that uh, letting go is another good one by can't remember who that's by letting go i put these all in the podcast notes and the description down below but yeah it does get it, it does get spiritual when you do experience some weird things i actually started meditating after i took magic mushrooms for the first time so i took magic mushrooms at the start of the year and i had all these really really weird like deep trippy epiphanies and what psilocybin does the active compound in magic mushrooms is it links regions of your brain that that aren't normally linked so you get this light up of brain activity when people are using psychedelic psychedelic drugs such as mushrooms and it can make you more creative what it can do is it can it can link these regions in your brain and it can create new neural pathways or these pathways that weren't previously existing so it can link new and profound novel ideas a lot of like artistic people film directors blah blah blah, blah. people have used psilocybin and these psychoactive compounds and it's actually it's actually thought that a lot of religion started from the use of these psychedelics in in, in like tribal communities etc etc and they had all these epiphanies 
and uh, and so I I got in it from a weird way. So I went into I got into meditation from the spiritual point of view, and then I found the the scientific the scientific evidence behind it after I'd gone through it from a spiritual place. And like, I don't recommend taking I do recommend taking psychedelics, but I don't like I don't I think you should do it in a it's if you've taken drugs before, it's nothing like any drug that I've ever taken. I've tried my fair share of drugs in my lifetime. And uh, it's not even not even similar. Like I was not prepared for what I was about to experience, and it's something like seventy percent, sixties. I think it's sixty to eighty percent of people. I can't remember the exact figure. Said that taking magic mushrooms or psilocybin in a controlled environment was one of the most profound or one of the most significant events that have happened in their in their lifetime. So I had this weird, trippy as fuck spiritual experience where I was basically thrown into like another dimension i lost all association with time with space with my physical self i was thrown into this like mad i made an entire youtube video on it was thrown into this mad mad space that i i could only say is i don't know it is like pure pure consciousness or whatever whatever however you want to describe it and uh, i was like holy shit but afterwards I felt great. It was incredibly intense. I went through loads and loads of things, but afterwards I felt amazing. I found out that you can get to this similar state through through meditation. The two are very similarly linked and you can achieve things or you can achieve this, this state or that you can get to with psychedelics through meditating if you do it long enough. And I haven't got there yet, but I have had some like pretty crazy out-of-body experiences from meditation alone and it allows you to feel my personal take on meditation my personal things that I feel and I felt is it's maybe more empathetic it's maybe more less reactive it's maybe able to able to concentrate on tasks more it's made me it's it's taken I don't care as much what other people think it's maybe more chilled more relaxed able to get into a flow state easier and it's also like I said giving me more empathy for my fellow human and fellow people and when you get into these really really deep meditative states I won't go into too much I feel like you have to discover it for yourself and it's incredibly hard to explain Connor Murphy explained it in another podcast he was like I can't remember how he said it ignore that that, but the way I think of it is, um, well, when Conor Murphy was trying to explain it to me, trying to explain like one of these 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 events with the state that you can go in is trying to explain what color is like to someone that is colorblind. You can explain the different wavelengths of light. You can explain about waves. You can explain about frequencies, spectrums of color and light and X-rays and radio waves and how there's only things on a visible light spectrum that you can understand. But unless you've actually experienced it, unless you can experience it, and unless you can see color, you're never really going to truly understand it. So try explaining color to someone that is colorblind. They're never going to quite get it. It's the same with meditation. Like you've got to try it. You've got to live it and you've got to do it and whilst i think that psychedelic drugs can get you into these get you into these states can be used for good and can get you into similar if not same places as meditation i think that the good thing about meditation is that psychedelics are kind of like they put you there straight away like you can go deep into these crazy crazy rabbit holes and states and completely lose yourself and in a sense lose your mind when you might not necessarily be ready for it whereas meditation you have to earn it you have to build it up it comes over months weeks months years of practice and you slowly you slowly get there but you you kind of you kind of you learn to view the world differently that's what i'm trying to get at and uh meditation in summary i've been blabbering on for far too long is 
is, is, is it's not about clearing your mind. It's not about getting rid of things. It's not about silencing your mind. It's about simply observing your thoughts, learning not to judge others, learning not to judge yourself, not to judge your thoughts. Simply observe them. It's learning about being being distracted when you're distracted by things. It's learning about, uh, it's teaching you to align yourself to a goal. And it's noticing when you're distracted by your thoughts and putting you back on track, muting this default mode, mode network or these regions of the brain associated with this activity. And uh, you do it every day. Do it every day if you want to get involved. And it's all about you'll uh, gradually begin to accumulate these slow marginal gains where before you know it, you're going to be a lot less anxious. You're going to be a lot more relaxed. You're going to be a lot more, you're going to have all these benefits that I've talked about throughout the podcast, able to get in this this flow state quicker, easier. There is a reason why Sam, Tim Ferriss discovered that over 80% of high performers he interviewed had some kind of meditative or mindful practice. There is a reason it is not just some pseudoscience. Countless high performers throughout history have done it and they, they, they do it they, they do it now they yeah it's um it's something you should definitely consider something you should definitely look into and if you've got to the end of this podcast fair fucking play if you want to try meditating even more fair fucking play but uh that is kind of my take on it i had a lot of requests on this in in my dms and i've only started so january for, for in march every may june july august i've only been meditating for like six to eight months so i'm very 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 new to it and i kind of put off making this podcast because i felt like i i lacked knowledge on the subject or I wasn't in a position obviously there's always going to be people that are more clued up on the topic than you and uh, I was like fuck it just gotta make it and I'll just share what I share what I know share share my knowledge share what I've learned and maybe it'll benefit one or two people because a lot of people have been messaging me asking me how I do it like why I do it and what it does but one of the most profound things as well that I noticed is that if I try reading after I'm doing stuff, it's incredibly hard to concentrate. I'm on my phone. I find it difficult. I'm checking social medias. I'm stopping reading. I'm, I barely get any done. But if I meditate and then I read, it's so much more easier to focus on a task because you're not doing anything during meditation because you're just silencing your mind. You're just in this present moment right now, which is whatever you make it, you're observing your thoughts. When you stop meditating as well, when you get out of this state, everything is going to seem incredibly incredibly captivating or stimulating even reading a book is going to seem incredibly stimulating and interesting so meditation that was my takes on it gets you into a flow state easier it suppresses this default mode network these regions activated these regions of the brain that are associated and activated so when you're not focusing on anything in particular the procrastination mode doing nothing the mode of stress and anxiety where you're where you're not immersed in something you're worrying about what people think of you you're worrying about the past or the future it gets rid of those so if you if you ha- experience that if you worry about judgment if you judge other people if you worry about if you worry about what people think of you if you're you're worrying about the future if you're worried if you're anxious, if you're unable to concentrate, if you're struggling with things like that, maybe it's your default mode network being overly active and maybe you should consider meditation. So if you want to lower lower your stress hormones, lower your blood pressure, improve your immune system, do anything, uh, decrease the, the probability of age-related cognitive decline, decrease anxiety and depression, increase your pain tolerance, increase your mental resilience, be more unreactive, be more mindful, be able to interact with people better and give less of a fuck in terms of what people think of you, then maybe Maybe you should consider meditating a little bit every day, marginal gains, and eventually it is going to pay off. That was a thoroughly enjoyable podcast. Uh, my name is Mo Samuels. You can follow me on Instagram at Mo Samuels. You can follow me on YouTube, Mo Samuels. And uh, 
I'm going to wrap that one up, guys. So give me a message. Let me know what you thought about it. It's a bit out there. It's a bit different. I kind of did this one differently because I, I kind of, I do get stressed. Like I'm, I'm a person that suffers from, I wouldn't say I suffer from it, but I do go through my times of stress and anxiety and things becoming too much. So fortunately, I meditate, which really, really helps that. I journal, write things down, which gets all these thoughts out of my head as well. And uh, like some, I do get stressed about making podcasts. So normally I do like, it takes me like five to 10 attempts to start off a podcast before I'm able to get into this flow state because I keep fucking it up. But then what, the more I do it, the better I get. This one, for example, I just did straight away. Didn't warm up to it. Didn't go, didn't have a, didn't have a, a sense of direction in terms of I didn't think about before what I was doing. I sat down on my computer five minutes before this podcast, took a few notes, write down a few notes, what I was going to talk about, what I was to go over. And uh, this one came out. So if you like this, if you enjoyed it, let me know and I'll do more in this manner. And I also meditate before I did this as well. My morning has consisted of getting up, woke up, cold shower, went for a walk, watched the, watched the sunrise, got a coffee, read came back here, well, read, meditated, actually meditated in public, which is quite interesting, really, really enjoyable, meditated, walked home, and then came back here and recorded this podcast for you beautiful people. So that is 47 minutes and 55 seconds, mad. Meditation and my take on it. So I hope you enjoyed that one. Like I said, give me a message, give it a share. If you liked it, download the podcast. It really, really helps me out and helps me get my ratings up. Share on your Instagram story. I see every single one and do really appreciate the messages and people sharing them. I try to get back to every single message that people send me on Instagram. So big love to you lot and uh, absolutely smash, smash the day, boys and girls. Peace out.